Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible study podcast for women. I'm your host, Amy Spreeman. Check out all of our Bible studies at naomistable.com. Now, here's today's lesson in the book of James with teacher Beth Seifert. Welcome back to our study in the book of James, ladies. Today we're going to be in day two, and we're going to be in James 1, starting in verse 1, and going all the way through verse 18. And I've titled this lesson, Day 2, First Fruits of the Promise. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them, and we will dig in. Yesterday, we saw who James is writing to. We saw him jump right into what suffering produces and why we can have joy in the midst of suffering. He pointed the reader to God for wisdom and understanding, but warned that we must seek God with faith and not doubt. Then he almost seems to circle back to remind us that this life is not the end. This life is not where our hope lies, and so we should not be discouraged by or impressed by our present circumstances. We should instead seek God, ask Him for wisdom, and persevere in trials. So today we're going to reread what we read yesterday and then add on to it. We won't do this every time, but this time the two sections really do overlap and we need to keep this in context to understand more fully what's going on here. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to James 1, starting in verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 
Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So we started yesterday and saw the call to have joy as we endure and persevere through trials, and we ended seeing that the true treasure we can all have is not something we will keep in the bank. This is all about an eternal mindset, viewing our life through God's economy, not our own. So verse 12 circles back around to the theme in verse 2, persevering during trials. Do you see how why I said yesterday that this feels a little stream of consciousness? James gives us one all-encompassing fabulous reason to persevere under trials. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. That crown of life is exclusive, ladies. Again, the eternal mindset. For those who love God, God has promised that they will receive the crown of life. This is not a promise for everyone who endures a trial. This is a promise for believers, and it is based on God's faithfulness to keep the promises He has made to His people. I mention this because we as Christians often apply this verse and other promises in Scripture without considering who we're talking to. We may tell our unbelieving friend that God is with them in this trial and that they need to persevere and endure, but we need to be more careful about that. We need to not promise them things that God hasn't promised to them. But when we are talking to believers, this should encourage us to no end, knowing that whatever trial we are walking through, however hard it is, and if we never seem to get out from underneath it, that at the end of it all is God for eternity dwelling among us. For the believer, this should fill us with immense comfort and encouragement. James then seems to switch gears, but reading this whole passage in context, this really isn't that big of a jump. Many times trials come in the form of temptation. Temptation to act when we shouldn't. Temptation to be silent when we should speak up. Temptation to lie to get a, give a better appearance of ourselves in our work. We so often think of temptation as a big neon flashing light, but it's not usually. We often find ourselves tempted not to be faithful in the little things, which then turn into bigger things. Temptation, by the way, is not the same as a test or trial or suffering. Temptation can be part of it, but it's separate from it. Remember, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested, and he was tempted by Satan as part of that. But the Spirit didn't sin in leading Jesus to be tested, and Jesus didn't sin in being tempted, but not giving in to the temptation. Make no mistake, when we are being tempted, God is not the author of that temptation. God cannot be tempted, and he tempts no one. No one. He will never fail. He will never fall into temptation. We know God is not the author of evil, ladies. God is holy and he cannot sin, nor can he abide sin. That's why we needed a perfect sacrifice to mediate between us and God to atone for our sin so that we could be made righteous in God's sight. Do not try to blame God for your sin. Here's an interesting thought that I picked up somewhere this last year, and I really don't know where. I've listened to so many sermons and lectures during this crazy lockdown season that I can't remember where this came from. But Adam and Eve were unique in many ways, but one of the ways that they were unique is in the way they faced temptation. 
before the fall, they had no indwelling sin. They had no corrupt fallen world to contend with. The only source of temptation for them before the fall was from the devil. Once they fell, all the rest of humanity has had to wrestle with pressure and temptations from the world outside of us, the devil accusing us, and our own sinful flesh indwelling us. Ladies, to be honest with you, I don't need anything outside of my flesh to tempt me to sin. I wrestle with my own flesh every day, and that's a full-time struggle. While it might make me feel better to think that the devil is constantly attacking me and accusing me, the reality is probably more along the lines of my own sinful flesh is causing most of my issues. That's what James is saying here too. We do not need help sinning. We do that just fine on our own. Each one of us is tempted when we are lured and enticed, not by the devil necessarily and most certainly not by God, but by our own desire. And our desires are wrong. Our flesh is so corrupt that without God giving us a new heart and new affections, we desire the wrong things all the time. We desire to please ourselves. And while that may look different for different people, the root of that is self and sin. But praise be to God that when he gives us a new heart, he also gives us his spirit dwelling within us to give us the power to fight our flesh to say no to our desire and to desire what God desires. James goes on to the flip side of what he just told the reader, and the contrast is huge. God cannot tempt anyone, but God can and does give good and perfect gifts. Those are from God. God does not change, and God does not have any alteration in his character because he is perfect, and he has always been perfect. God has never learned anything from the rest of us. He has always been completely all-knowing, all-powerful, and perfect. He is the Father of lights, the creator of light, and the source of all light. Think about the Gospel of John or 1 John, how often John talks about Jesus and how in him there is no darkness, but people love the dark rather than the light. The light is God the perfect light where there are no secret corners of sin hiding. He doesn't change. He doesn't sin. And knowing that, we know that he only gives good and perfect gifts. There is nothing off about his gifts. He never does it almost right. His perfection means that all that comes from him is also good and perfect. And what is the utmost of those gifts? Christ, the sinless Savior, That was the most perfect and the best gift ever, because it was through him that we received the gift of salvation. Your faith, ladies, as Ephesians 2 makes clear, is a gift from God as well. God gives to us all that we need to be saved, and he sustains us in our faith in him. Look at verse 18, ladies. Of his, God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, Again, remember John, the word is Christ, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God brings life. Sin brings death. Believers are the start of what the new creation will look like. We, regenerated by God's Holy Spirit, are the beginning of the new harvest that will eventually be completed when all of creation is restored. 
We still await our physical resurrection into that new creation, but we are already being made new in this life, thanks to the work of our triune God in choosing us, regenerating us, saving us, and sanctifying us. And that, ladies, is awesome. So this whole section, verses 1 to 18, all tie together. We see James continually circle back around to point to hope in God and who he is and what he has done. God saved us. God will keep us. James points to the life to come as encouragement for the suffering believer to persevere in this present sin-filled world. His push here is to help us to focus not on present circumstances and be discouraged, but on the future life to come and be encouraged. He wants us to see that even the sin we deal with in this life is something we do have the power to fight because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He wants us to see that God continues to give good and perfect gifts and that God is trustworthy and faithful above all others. He is worthy of our praise and adoration and our obedience as well. While obeying in this life is not easy, and while we will endure suffering and trials and temptation as we strive to obey, an eternity with God is worth it. At the end of the day, heaven is only heaven because God is there. When our goal is to be with God in heaven, we realize that we can be with Him here as well, and we will be rewarded in heaven for our obedience here now. Ladies, even as you face temptation from the world, your own flesh and the devil take heart because he has overcome the world. Death has been defeated and the devil is on a leash, soon to be thrown into hell for all eternity. Our very flesh will be refined in this life and then, in the life to come, we will be given new bodies, uncorrupted by sin. God has truly overcome every obstacle we have and now, for a little while, we remain reminding ourselves of the eternal hope we have to come. James keeps circling back to God throughout this whole passage, and I love that. His focus is on God, and he wants us to lift our eyes up and focus on God as well. Those who are saved are saved through the word of God, preached and read and applied by God to our hearts, regenerating us. It is only through the work of the Spirit, through the gospel, that we are brought to new life. At the bottom of everything, No matter the trial or struggle or pain, we have a God who has no variation or shadow within him. He doesn't change. He is our rock, our foundation, our solid ground, and we can stand on him. He is the support that lifts us up. He is the one who breathes new life into us. All that will remain is him. So ladies, make sure you're not holding on too tightly to the things that fade. Make sure your eyes are fixed on the Father of lights, holding fast to the word of truth. As you spend time with God today, ladies, consider how does this passage speak to the trials or sufferings you may be facing today? Are you looking up to Christ, holding fast to Him, or are you allowing your eyes to be focused on the shifting shadows of this world? Are you persevering knowing that God is faithful to do what He promised, or are you throwing in the towel because it's hard? Ask yourself today, do you really believe that eternity with God is worth waiting for? If you do, is there anything that is too hard to persevere through? Is there anything that is not worth enduring in order to obtain that promise? Hold fast. Do not doubt His goodness. 
If you are struggling to see that God is faithful, go back through Scripture. See how often God provided, often miraculously for His people, His whining, grumbling, sassy, disobedient, rebellious people. He is the one who is always faithful, ladies. Think about all the circumstances that had to occur in order to bring you to saving faith in Christ. Consider the reality that God's sovereign control of the universe also means that He is sovereignly in control of the circumstances that occurred in order to bring you to Him. Everything from the people in your life to the opportunities He provided for you to hear His word and repent and follow Him. Marvel at the reality that your salvation is truly yours because of the grace of God, and without His grace and mercy you would still be lost. Praise Him today for that ultimate gift. Remind yourself of what that means for you today as well as in the future. And maybe spend some time with some good old-fashioned hymns today, letting those words of truth comfort and encourage you. I'll include a list of some ideas in the notes today, so be sure to check those out. And do not give up, ladies. The object of your faith is unchanging. He will preserve you so that you can persevere to the end. You'll find the notes for this study under the Bible Studies tab of the website naomistable.com day 2 First Fruits of the Promise. Mm-hmm.